All right. So uh, for our On This Day in History, uh, I found a couple of things. And since it's Women's History Month, they're all related to, um, you know, women actors and that. And so the first thing I found was that Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, premiered this day in 1997 on WV Television Network. That's crazy. Yeah, that's <laughs> when I found it. I I literally like said it was 1997. It's like damn. <laughs> but um, it uh, it was uh, it, the, uh, did you watch Buffy? I didn't really. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Candace watched it. My sister, for those listening, and I uh, and I was just always around her, and I got really into it. But um, yeah, it was it was good. I no, I didn't know what was. It, happening exactly that young mm-hmm. until uh, like the later seasons but yeah it was i always enjoyed it so there was i thought that was something fun to add um uh the rest of it's just kind of random stuff because there's a not much but um janet mock and carrie underwood were both <laughs> were both born on this day okay um, yeah same exact birthday march 10th 1983 for both of them and hmm. so yeah i don't know uh Janet Mock, for those who don't know, is a writer, um, author. She directs. She does it all. Trans mm-hmm. activist. Um, and then Carrie Underwood, I feel everybody knows her. Um, yeah. And so there's that. And then um, the other thing is Jennifer Hudson won Entertainer of the Year at the 21st Annual Soul Chain Awards in 2007. So, all right. Awesome. Awesome. Just some small things there. And okay. But then the question of the week. And since we're on the theme of women for the rest of this month, um, I wanted to know who is your favorite female character in any show or movie? Wow. Um, I was thinking about this and I, I'd have to go sort of like my original, like, um, early female protagonist with Sydney Bristow. Bristow. Oh, yes. From Alias. Like, that show and that role sort of like, I know that I've been like her own in the past, but that was just so sort of like genre defying right. at the moment in time. So, yeah, that was such a good show. I, the same thing. I was young when it came out, but then uh, once I got a little bit older, I, the first scene that always, uh, the scene that gets me is is when she's fighting her friend. What's her name? Her friend's name, Francie? Uh, Francie, yes. Yeah. And she's fighting like, isn't it like a clone of her or something? Or... Mm hmm. Something weird had happened. Yeah, that that was the one. I always epic, remember that. Epic yeah. season two finale. Yes, very good. All right. Um, well, mine, I kept mine fictional. Um, but ever since I was a little kid, for some, I've just, I've been absolutely obsessed with the movie Mulan. And I think um, when I was younger, it was the songs and the fighting and the action. And then as I got older, I think the story came through and I was just like, you Mulan was, you know, it, it was, she, I don't know how to say it. I guess what I'm saying is like, you get those stories of women having to overcome sexism and different obstacles to do what they want. But I think I realized that as a little kid, but it was like in a whimsical fun way. And then mm-hmm. as I got older, I was like, Oh, you know, this story, this is actually kind of deep. Like, Yeah. It holds up really well. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait until the 27th. I will. Right. Right. So there's, but yeah, so that's that. You are now listening to It's a Streamable Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren. 
where we chronicle life in a peak entertainment era. Now start the show. Alrighty. And we want to welcome you to another episode of It's a Streamable Life podcast. We are your host, Lauren. Oh, and Brandon? <laughs> it's okay. And where we uh, chronicle life in the peak entertainment era. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, we'll get into the headlines. There is a lot going on, and most of it is because of the COVID-19 coronavirus. It's going nuts. It's going crazy. So at the time of this, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Stars, and Lionsgate have withdrawn from the South by Southwest Festival in Austin. Yeah. Since then, the entire festival has been canceled by the city of Austin. So wow. the festival goers uh, organizers didn't cancel it, but the city did, citing, you know, safety hazard, health hazard, and everything. Right, right. And I just got word that they will not be refunding people's money either for the festival. Wow. So, which I can see because it wasn't their call to cancel. So. Yeah, that's true. So I'm not sure what's going to happen there. But the effects are being felt, I mean, throughout the country. Um, We've got sporting events being canceled, possibly some events being held without spectators, which will be very odd. Um, and just locally, colleges are canceling face-to-face meetings for online courses. I use cancel class through the sixth. Yeah. Um, yeah. OSU close will be closed until March thirtieth. Um, we're seeing we're seeing a big impact by it. Um, more cases by the day, unfortunately. Right. Uh, Jeopardy, well, fortunate Dr. Phil are going to tape without a studio audience. Hmm. So that'd be a little strange. Yeah, who's going to be laughing at Patsy Jack's jokes? Yeah, it's going to be talking to seats. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be so it's awkward. Awkward. Yeah. I mean, and they then, don't really go ahead. Okay. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like in Jeopardy, there's the the crowd just claps, and I guess they can add that in with effects, but yeah, like a clap track or something. Yeah, but Will of Fortune, yeah, they usually laugh and stuff. That's going to be really strange. Yeah. And then you have the whole economic effect as well. Um, the Dow is dropping. There's not many, I mean, there's goods, but we're seeing a shortage of goods, especially if you're trying to ship stuff from China. Yeah. Um, the upside flights are cheap, like very cheap <laughs> right. right now. But there's no cruises going out. Right. Um, so if you're brave, this is your time to book a flight. Right, right. And hopefully things sort of, pan out better by the summer but i don't yeah. we're not really sure what's going to happen um, uh, uh, what's strange is that you know we've been through a lot of of these things in our time you think about it sars mm-hmm. um anthrax monkeypox mad cow bird flu all those different things that we've gone through and i can't remember a reaction quite like this right it seems very it seems different yeah. Um, and it's even affecting the, the entertainment industry abroad. You had uh, movies that have already changed their release date. I guess Peter yeah. Rabbit 2's being pushed back. Right. Um, Marvel's halted uh, taping of Falcon and Winter Soldier in Prague because of coronavirus. Right. Um, 
it's just we'll see ripple effect and we're just we're not sure how long it will take to recoup from this since right. you know it always takes months to recover from any sort of drastic stop in the way the world works basically it's it's gonna be interesting though because uh the uh just I, I don't know it it doesn't seem like there's a handle on it right like, i i mean i guess they have to really test and see how things work but i don't know that's weird it's it's very strange so we'll just have to sort of wait out and see see what happens um right. and better news i guess or less chaotic news uh <laughs> a study came out with sort of like the a quarter study of streamers as of October yeah. 2019. And basically it said that Netflix and Hulu gained the most paid subscribers mm -hmm. since October 2019. And they yeah. seem to be the biggest um, leaders amongst the streaming platforms, okay. which I can see Netflix. Netflix is still sort of like the big dog in the game. Right, right. Um, but I did not think Hulu would have moved up to second place like that. No. That's, that's, I mean, I guess they're adding stuff and maybe that's pulling people in, but mm -hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't think that either. Yeah, I think between their live option and then the FX thing, and they they do have good original content. Yeah, that's true. Um, so they're sort of, etching their their spot next to yeah. Netflix. Um, there wasn't any information for Disney Plus subscribers because well, well they won't get that information until probably the end of this quarter. Right. I feel and, like that's plateaued. Yeah, definitely. And sort of the same for Apple Plus TV because it came out. Did it come yeah. out after Disney? Uh, I think it was it was around the same time. I don't know if it was after yeah. before though. Yeah. So we'll have to see, but um, yeah, the whole difference between a pay subscriber and just subscribers is what, what they want yeah. to indicate. Cause I don't think Apple had a lot of people that got it free and then Disney just had a lot of folks maybe get it for a while and then right. drop it off right. once the memoriam was over or whatnot. So, um, any other news you can think of? Uh, not really. Not too much. <laughs> That's that's pretty much what's taking up the, yeah. the media space. Yeah, you can't go to any channel without seeing something about the coronavirus or news, whatever whatever channel you're watching, there's something about it. So yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. That wraps up our headline segment. We'll now transition to our not segment where we had the see season finale, apparently. That's what it said. Episode yeah. 10 of The Outsider on HBO, where we had um, Ralph and Holly sort of face the entity in a final yeah. show, I should say. Um, what did you think of where this episode went? And I guess it's alleged hint of more to come. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. I'll, we'll start there, then I guess we'll work backwards. But yeah, I can't imagine there not being a season two with, that, with the way it ended and everything, especially like the, the mid-credit scene. 
Mm-hmm. Which everything. I wasn't expecting. I just didn't get yeah. to my remote in time. And I'll get back to that because I have a problem with those type of scenes. But <laughs> um, they, uh, yeah, you can't do all that and have Ralph see the two boys and then have Holly have a scratch on her arm. And first of all, she said she doesn't like listening to music and she ends and she's listening to music. Uh, it, yeah, there's there's too much. There's too much still hanging in the air. And um, then kind of the the whole thing about the actual boogeyman entity saying that he never really said no to there being more of them or more of him, like, you know, more types of that right. thing. So I don't know. I, I think we'll see another season. Yeah, the ending was very, very ominous and sort of just sort of will they, won't they. Right. Um, also, I, I just felt that wasn't the ending I was expecting. Right, right. And that's a good point. I are you, Now, are you talking about the actual ending of the episode or the ending in the terms of the season? Well, I guess both. I don't yeah. I didn't know what I didn't think was going to wrap up. What I'm trying to say, the episode wrapped up kind of quickly and then right. led to a possible second season. I don't know if I, what would they do? Like, because if, it, if it's more of this, like, what else can you do? Yeah, right. And that's funny you said that because I read a review um, and the writer was like, it seemed too easy. Like all yeah. this whole this whole episode was way too easy. Um, in terms of you know, just how from all sixty minutes it just seemed way too easy for them and too quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'd I'd agree. I was like, huh? They because they literally went in the cave and had a conversation with this thing that's been tearing people apart. And I'm like, wait a second. Right. Right. So, so yeah, the the ending was a little often. The beginning, that whole first what twenty minutes was just right. Yeah, I I I I knew Andy was going to perish because he was. Yeah. That was just like the Galvin, I don't know, Prince Charming, right. whatever. <laughs> um, I thought more people would would get it, but they seemed to. Yeah escape um yeah i yeah. just i didn't know i i just thought something else was going to happen i don't know yeah i'm right there with you it it it, it was too smooth there weren't enough interruptions and i guess and i'm thinking maybe it seems that way because the season was so slow and these last two episodes have been like jet fueled and just have flown mm-hmm. by because there's actually stuff going on so maybe it seems that way but it's really not but um, there, I don't. The the part that just threw me off is they really went in the cave and started talking to this thing. I'm like, hold on a second, man. Like, yeah. Like, how do you just have a conversation with this thing? But um, but I, I mean, it was a good episode for what they gave us. Mm-hmm. That first the, ten minutes. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, the first ten minutes was crazy. Like yeah. they just literally picked up right where the previous right. episode left off. Right. Um. I was going to say, um, and the way they sort of wrapped everything up for, you know, the feds and right, right. Uh, Terry's wife and just sort right. of like, 
conspire to solve the case or whatnot because they know no one's going to believe them no absolutely not and then that whole thing where holly's like who's terry i'm like oh shit like yeah what was that yeah i i don't know i don't know what that means i guess but then that's another thing like it could possibly be the start of another season i guess maybe I i don't know but why would she not have any knowledge of who he is? Yeah, like as if the yeah. if the entity was not in her, but yeah, something. It, but then my thing was with the scratch. How could you make it out to be that she got scratched by the thing? It had to be a rock when they were falling. Yeah, she, the only time she was close to it is when she stabbed him in the chest. But the way the scene went, it alluded to it being from this the monster. I just, I don't know. I don't know. And then she checked the back of her neck. Yeah. Like, well, there's no boils there. So yeah. I don't know. And, and then I just, I think another thing that always bothers me about shows is like, if you see that many people die in a span of 15 minutes, you're not going to go to your hotel, get on your laptop and start listening to music. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially her boyfriend quote-unquote right right you're gonna be traumatized so but yeah it was a good show uh, you know and like we said it started off so slow that i didn't know what was going to happen but then it picked up it was like oh okay right right now you were going to say about mid credit scenes oh yeah i hate them i hate them <laughs> i hate them i hate them I hate them because this, with with the ability to skip the beginnings and the endings of shows now, like, I just don't think they should exist because I was so close to turning it off. And, but I just happened to let it play because I was doing something on my phone and then another scene came up and I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, and so. I I was just waiting for the watch for more in this episode part. Then that popped up. I was like, oh, because I wish I wasn't paying attention. Right, right. So yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And that was the uh the outsider finale. Then we had dispatches from elsewhere. This was episode three. Yeah, yes. Okay. I missed this one because I was awake and then I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I started right. watching it and then I dozed off and woke back up. It was over. Okay. Well, this one starts with them. Um, this one's focused on Janice, uh, Sally Field's character, mm-hmm. and it starts with them at that little parade they were at. And so friend Fredman, um, Andre Benjamin, three thousand, he hops into the back of Octavio's limousine, the guy that's kind of the head over this whole mm-hmm. June thing, and they ride off. And so they follow him to his warehouse, and so then they get there, and uh, Janice really wants to find Fredman to make sure he's okay. And like we said last week, you get this hint that she just really needs to be connected to someone. And so mm-hmm. um, we go through blah, blah, blah. Octavio finds them and he's getting, he's getting ready to give a speech. And it's about this new, um, uh, what is it? This new kind of software type. Oh, it's a virtual reality headset that you can put on. But instead of like playing a game, you can go back and relive your memories. And so- oh, wow. Yeah, Janice gets in there and it takes her back to her wedding day. But before all that, we get this little animated thing and it shows her with her husband, I think, Lev or Leave. And 
it is exactly like we're saying she's been with him like her whole life and he's on the cusp of dying and so she's just looking for a different way to connect but when she goes to this this virtual reality thing is actually it kind of it's really good and kind of hits hard because she she sees her younger self in the mirror and she starts talking to her and then her younger self is like you know do we stay true to our promises and she's like what promises and then she's like our promises to like you know be adventurous and go see things and go try and do all these things and oh wow yeah today the modern janice is like you know she didn't do that because she became a wife and a mother and um Mm -hmm. she kind of took that way but then so she gets upset like well you know i was more than that you know i i I learned a lot even with what i did and so yeah it was really really good and um but so then yeah fred one gets out and then um so it's really just focused on her and all that and we don't get too much about um andre 3000 yet okay but he's kind of like conspiracy brother and uh, <laughs> that's what that's kind of what they're hitting at so okay yeah. right. i'll have oh. to watch it because it looked it it looked good i i remember seeing that preview of her seeing herself but right interesting but yeah so all right oh Lauren, just pause this for one second i have to go get something okay one second all right that was dispatches from elsewhere episode four will be next monday and now we have the privilege of sort of nominating some shows to replace The Outsider. Yeah. Um, I know this Sunday at 9, the time slot will be replaced by HBO's third season of Westworld. So yes, absolutely. So that's, is that that's what we're going toward? Or? I think that one for sure. Um, I think... Uh, I guess we'll give which i'm called a go as well um plot against america because i think it's i think it's only like six episodes i don't think it's very long okay and that's on monday correct yeah yeah they follow okay. each other yeah and that works because um season finale of all american and black lightning were yesterday so okay so yeah there we go that frees up my mondays so One yeah second. those two uh um, definitely be in there definitely um okay. I'll go ahead oh i was gonna say anything else mm, i can't think of anything else that really comes out in march uh well i'm gonna be watching my brilliant friend on hbo but if you didn't watch season one then you'd be lost i lost okay <laughs> yeah so so we may just do those two unless until we find something else that uh that picks up so Okay, cool, cool, cool. So be uh, prepared for uh, episode one reviews of Westworld season three and the Plot Against America next week for NOT. All right, now we'll transition to No Concessions, where we discuss films or binge-worthy things we've been watching. And um, I'll go ahead and start, go first, so we can get to the Westworld stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I just finished season three of Castlevania. If you haven't watched it, it's it's great. The first season yeah. is like the shortest because it was like a like a buzz season type thing to see if people were interested, I guess. Then season two, I think may have been 10 episodes, and season three is 10 episodes. Um, 
it's based on the video game Castlevania, where uh, Trevor Belmont um, is paired with a speaker cipher. A speaker is like a mage, basically. And they have to fight night creatures and kill Dracula. Oh. <laughs> so, yes, season three. Um, I'm not going to give any spoilers away from previous seasons, but season three was pretty good. It it focused more on character development and plot, and then had a big sort of action um, ending. But it was it was really good. Mm. So if you get a chance, peep it. It's only half hour episodes. Um, it's TVMA for everything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. Next, uh, did you catch devs? Oh wait. No, I do not have. Okay. Yeah, okay. Hulu. So, yeah. Devs uh, premieres every Thursday on Hulu with FX on Hulu. Um, I would call this a murder mystery meets Mr. Robot s type thing. Um, it's from the cre- creator of Ex Machina and Annihilation. Okay. Yeah. So um, basically, a software engineer suspects foul play when her boyfriend mysteriously commits suicide at their job and she does some uncovering and discovers a big secret about him which sort of led to his demise but um it basically pits her against like this silicon valley giant called um what's the company called Anaya or something like that. I think it's it's named after the CEO's daughter who passed away, and the CEO is played by Nick Offer Nick Offerman. Um, it's crazy, kind of a slow pace, but everything is very meticulous. Yeah. It looks gorgeous. Um, when you get a chance to check it out, they put the first two episodes up. Um, I'm not sure it'll be two episodes every week, but yeah, it's very intense, very FX, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 I got you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I watched the premiere of BET's 20s. This is Lena Waithe's show. Um, sort of a semi-autobiographical series about a young lesbian Black writer trying to make it in Hollywood. Um, and her two best friends, one is a studio exec and the other is like a a yogi slash uh, actress. And this follows their life and love and career and everything. Um, the first episode was kind of rough. The second episode was better. It kind of sucks because all the commercials sort of break the half hour up and it it's hard to let the story flesh out because of all the interruptions. Because you know BT has right. ads. So, but I'm going to try to stick with it and support it. It's, it wasn't too bad the second episode, but it does sort of lean into the blackity black too much. Yeah, yeah. Instead of like just having them be, you know, there's scenes where like all of a sudden they're forcibly singing to Waiting to Exhale soundtrack and her name is Hattie and her boss's name is Ida B. It's like you're, you're doing too much. Right, right. <laughs> so that's a lot. Yeah. And who named her kid Hattie? Like yeah. Hattie? I, I I don't get it. But um yeah, it looks interesting and uh has a, a 
a lot of new faces, which is good to support, you know, new young black actors. So that comes on Wednesdays at 10. Hopefully it improves. Okay. That's all I had. Okay. All right. Um, well, after what probably seems like forever, I, I did finally start Westworld. Uh, and I started last Friday on season one <laughs> and I finished it. Uh, oh, I either finished it Sunday afternoon or Monday afternoon. I don't remember. I think it was Monday afternoon because once I looked at and saw that the season finale was an hour and a half, I was like, damn. <clears throat> but um, yeah, man, I'm upset I didn't watch it while it was on. Well, I mean, it's still on, obviously, but like while it was, you know, running like the first season right. or the second season because I would have been into the conversations. But um, yeah, man, everything's so good about it that I can't even pick anything out that I didn't like. Didn't like, and um, uh, it it there's twists and turns, but they're not so sharp that you get confused. Like I I think I I I think about episode four or five. I start putting together that Bernard was, you know, not human and mm -hmm. all these different things. I I started to figure out Dolores had a bigger part. Um, everything right yeah but I think all those stories are great and everything but it, in that first season it's hard not to just want to focus on Sandy Newton's story of May right. it's just kind of like you know damn give her the full hour and then mm -hmm. once she start you know running stuff in the real world it was it was kind of like wow so yeah I finished that and um I'll start season two here soon and I'll definitely get that done before Sunday. But, uh, oh man, it's so good. It's incredible. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. That final scene in the final episode was just, yeah. Crazy. And season two is better because they break out some into the other world. So you're getting more characters and right. it, it sets up some uh, great scenarios. So, yeah. I might rewatch some of season two just to prepare for Sunday because it's been a while since. Right, yeah. Right. Watched it. Kind of catch up. Yeah, so I'm going to try to time it so, like, maybe I watch the season finale on Saturday or Sunday afternoon. That way I'm, boom, right there. Right, right. Yeah. So. All right, that concludes our no concessions. And now for our feature presentation. We've got our uh, discussing women in film for Women's History Month. Yes, we um, It's sort of what, what I'm trying to say. You know, growing up, you never really notice the fact that women in these industries are highly underrepresented. Right, right. Like, we know as you know as black people we know you know african americans aren't seen that well in other minorities but with women we just we see certain actresses certain directors writers um in the spotlight and everything but we never take into consideration how small that pool really is compared to the larger scheme of things all right that's true and just historically how just recently it started it started to improve you know there's still quite a few firsts happening right for women and then when you think about women in color it's it's even scarcer but um 
it's just really interesting. I did a little quick search of, you know, women, history of women in film. Right. And the first female filmmaker was Alice Guy Lachey. Oh. B-L-A-C-H-E. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. But she was considered the first female filmmaker. Um, She worked as a secretary for other filmmakers until she sort of saw Luis and August. I'm not going to say their names. Until she saw certain people working and it inspired her to, you know, start working on her own films. So in 1985, she went from secretary to writer to filmmaker. Oh, wow. Within a few years, she was making her own movies. And they span many different genres across the world. Okay. Um, unfortunately, though, her career sort of depleted once she got divorced because for women, marriage was basically the key to yeah. Ec- yeah. Uh, right. economy, money, you know, access to, to everything. So once she was divorced, as a single woman, those those opportunities were no longer afforded to her. Damn. Um, and divorce was such a bad thing, then there was another stigma, too, because you just didn't get divorced. So in 1922, her career sort of took a nosedive, and she unfortunately faded from the scene. But, you know, she's 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 uh, considered the first. Yeah. And um, miraculously, back then, in silent films, women were actually very active. Um, They were sort of the stars um, of female acts. And that started to change as soon as talkies sort of developed. And once that wasn't niche anymore and people saw that money could be attached to it, the industry became more male-dominated because women weren't given jobs, high-paying jobs. That just wasn't their place. So as men took more directing writing jobs, women were given... um, less positions at like book editing and production design jobs. Um, And another fact I discovered, Mary Pickford co-founded the United Artists production, which is now known today as Metro Golden Meyer. Yeah. And she helped establish the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences in 1927. So women have been there since the beginning. Yeah. But of course, men yeah. men have pushed them out just because of the gender roles in society. Society, I can't talk. Society. <laughs> yeah, society's views of what women's work actually is. Right, right, right. Um, and then I looked at a, a current study. According to the 2017 Women's Media Center report, women made up just 17 percent of the behind-the-scenes film workforce between 2015 and 2016. Of the top 250 films made during this time, 96% had no women cinematographers, 92 had no women directors, 79% had no women editors, 77% had no women writers, 58% had no women executive producers, and 34% had no women producers. Wow. And that was 2017. That's crazy. So, yeah, there's... Go ahead. Oh, but no, I was gonna say that's pretty. That's the whole thing you say about the roles switching and how women were the um, like the main focus of films until the men started rolling in. Is uh, that's interesting because in um, 
like what they called like the golden age of film, like the 30s, 40s, and 50s, right after, you know, silent films kind of ended, mm-hmm. there was an uptick in like, you know, the femme fatale type thing. And yeah. where, you know, you had, I don't know, Betty Davis, Lauren Bacall, uh, Greta Garbo, all, all the big names that you can think about and all of that. And, um, but, but then, but then after that age, we went through another downhill where women kind of went back into these like reductive roles. They kind of pushed them back into these norms and they weren't the focus of films and they didn't get to be three dimensional characters. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of a, a, a roller coaster, but I, I guess it'd be interesting to see if we can stay where we are. And I, and I think we will. So, yeah. And continue to, to progress. Definitely. Right. Right. Um, and just some other facts here as we get into sort of with with the industry being uneven kind of surprisingly women tend to what's the word I want to say outperform men right in the film industry as far as acting wise because a lot of people say I hear this all the time like if if um if they had took if they took gender out the awards and just said best actor, mm-hmm. I think women will overwhelmingly win. Yeah, probably so. So that's, that's always interesting to, to see. Um, just some Oscar facts here when we think of women and first, um, the first Latina woman to win an Oscar was, an uh, acting Oscar was Rita Moreno in 1961 yeah. for West Side Story. Yeah, yeah. Um, 1973, you have the first woman producer to win for um, Best Picture, which was Julia Phillips for The Sting. Okay. 1977, you have the first woman nominated for Best Director, and that was Lena Wertemuller for Seven Beauties. Um, things got a little better within a decade. <laughs> Penny Marshall became the first woman to direct a blockbuster um, after Whoopi wanted her to direct her in Jumping Jack Flash because Whoopi had clout from her um, Oscar nominations. Um, Penny went on to direct Big with Tom Hanks. And then later in the 90s, she directed A League of Their Own, again with Tom Hanks. So Big was like the first, was like a $100 making film. So she was as the first woman to direct a blockbuster. In 2010, some 20 odd years later, Catherine Bigelow is the first woman to win Best Director for The Hurt Locker. Yeah. And then 2019, we had the first woman nominee for cinematography, which was Rachel Morrison. And that was for Mud, Mudbound. And I think she was nominated again for Black Panther later on. Oh. So those are just some of the firsts for women in film. Um, outside of just the acting, there's still a lack of women winning um, in other categories. Like just, just just this year, we had the first woman to win best score with Hilda. Yeah, yeah, her name is impossible. Yeah, for the Joker. Um, just a few years ago, you had the first woman to win production design or first black woman. Yeah, it? I think so, yeah. Um, for Black Panther, so there's still a lot of firsts to be had, but hopefully we see an improvement in the access, improvement of lifting up female directors, writers, 
producers, um, everything, cinematographers, just to get them more into these spaces. And as, as we said, while white women definitely have more access, they're, they're just as limited. Um, women of color and black women are even less limited. Right, right. So um, you have, you know, Hattie Daniels and Halle Berry as the first black woman to win an acting Oscar and then the first black woman to win lead actress yeah. some hundred years later. Um, and the pool gets smaller for Asian Americans, um, Hispanic women, and then other. Um, right. Because those women are barely seen yeah. um, outside of maybe, I don't know, writing here, writing there. You know, the Oscars failed to nominate Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers this year. Right. And um, then for. You know, somebody should have got something for the farewell. Definitely. Between yeah. Lulu Wang, Aquafina, and then Juj, uh, I don't want to mispronounce her name. Yeah, but I know you're talking woman, about. But the other woman was supporting actress. None yeah. of them were afforded a nomination. Um, while Parasite was nominated, I mean, won Best Picture, Best Director, um, Screenplay, and what was the other foreign film right none of the actors were nominated in the acting categories which, right, which is crazy seems ridiculous because it what i mean it just doesn't make any sense like someone had to be acting well for you to have it in all these categories right, right exactly and i'm not really sure who all in these other ethnic groups has actually won an oscar um i'm not sure if any have won for acting, if they have, it's been a, a long time. Yeah. Which, which is sad, um, but I think gradually but sure we're making some progress. Right, yeah, I do too. I think it's, it is moving slowly, but um, we're getting there. And it, it seems like, I don't know if maybe you see it this way, but it's gonna take like black people leading the way maybe before the other people of color yeah. get their shot. Like, it's sad, not, but true. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like until, <laughs> I don't know, until they really respect Black people, I can't imagine them being like, oh, well, let's give this to an Asian woman or a Latina mm-hmm. woman. So, I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, it is, hopefully it does get better and quickly. Yeah, yeah. So with that, we can um, go from here and just to celebrate on a, on a positive note here, saying some of our favorite female-centric films, either by mm. female directors, actresses, and just whatnot, just uh, give maybe your, your top favorite three or so. Okay. Um, let's see. I'd say for my top female-centric films, um, hold on a second. I had them written down somewhere. I'll start with um, uh, oh god oh god why is it skipping me right now oh this movie <laughs> oh god I hope my sister doesn't listen to this because she's gonna kill me anyways there's this movie called The Hours and uh, it has Meryl Streep Julianne Moore and oh god 
why can't I think of her name? Nicole Kidman. Kidman, yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I saw it, like, on accident, and the movie absolutely has not left my head. Like, I can't, I can't, it, it, if it's on, I'm going to find some time to watch it. Like, I have to. Like, uh, so that would be my top one for, like, the, the definite top prize. Um, I think you got some classic in there that all can be grouped together, like, you know, like the still magnolias and mm-hmm. um, kind of like that type of movie. Um, huh. A League of Their Own would be on there as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, obviously, and I feel like every black person's seen it, but when I really sat down and watched it, like I really got into Eve's Bayou one time, but <laughs> I know like, um, BT shows it all the time, but I think for that reason, it's become like a film that I, I, uh, I've started to enjoy. So, yeah, that's one I've never seen from start to finish. Oh, wow. Okay. So I need to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can go ahead. We'll, we'll keep switching back and forth. Okay. Um, for me, um, first coming to mind, female centric for me would be nine to five. Oh yeah. Um, Lily Tomlin, um, Jane Fonda, and Dolly Parton, just sort of that that story. It's a feminist right. benchmark. And we just enjoyed it so much as kids for some reason. <laughs> yeah. um, and then uh, it wasn't directed by a female, but The Color Purple. Um, oh, yeah. You know, right. this grand Black queer woman story um, that was given a chance to go on screen and should have won an Oscar, but was not. Right, um, right. But to be its yeah. own. Um, and then I'm trying to think. Uh, this, I haven't, I've seen it once or twice, but I definitely know it was directed by a woman, American Psycho. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had no clue the woman directed that. I know it's based on that one guy's novel but for a film to have such a sort of cult classic following you rarely hear that woman uplifted you you mostly hear about you know christian bell's performance and then the author's material but someone had to bring that together for this to make it work for the screen so and i think a lot of people don't realize that because of maybe just the topic of the movie that they think that like that's definitely a man that's written and directed that like mm-hmm. so hmm. but yeah no that's definitely good um i'm trying to think of what else um especially movies directed by women uh there is a movie it's an old movie i'm talking about like the 50s like but it's all it's it's got the most basic plot but it's called cleo from five to seven and uh, last year i think um a woman named agnes varda she passed away she was a director a real short lady had kind of weird colored hair but anyways mm-hmm. um the movie is, is so simple and i've just always enjoyed that as as well um oh god what else oh i know it i've also been into like getting into films from like the 70s and uh like black films for them and i just saw coffee with mm-hmm. pam greer just just pa- over this past weekend and like 
you know, those black exploitation films got like a lot of like a uh, um like hate and not hate, yeah. but kind of they get looked down upon. But mm. I don't know, it's really good. I was into it. I was like, yeah, they they they're kind of they were sort of our way in back then, and then yeah. the industry yeah. once they got the money, they left them, but they they had their place in history. Yeah, definitely. for sure. Um, for me, I'm trying to think. Stuff more recent, if I could, because I'm trying to look at the movies on my shelf here. Uh, I don't know about directed by women, but I know just thinking of films centered on women, uh, there's a movie called um, uh, Shoot. Let me make sure I get the title right. <laughs> oh. The girl with all the gifts. Oh yeah, yeah. The horror film about like a zombie apocalypse, right, basically, right. and they think the they basically base the future of humanity on this little black girl who yeah. has some sort of resistance to the the plague, and I thought that was fascinating. Um, yeah. And then. Another big movie, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think favorite actresses with movies. Some reason I really love Stepmom. Yeah, that's a good movie. Like every time that's on, yeah. <laughs> I have to tune in. Um with Julie Roberts and Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Um oh, we, I think we have to mention the League of Their Own. Oh yes, you know, definitely. That, yeah, that movie That's is up there. Tear jerk. Quotable forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. hmm I'm trying to think what else growing up. I mean, there's like your black family one. There's not really female specific right. like soul food or Yeah, yeah. I guess so, yeah, Radio Exhale is more female specific. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like set it off. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, set it off is definitely one up there, and I that one definitely doesn't get appreciated as much. No. Because when you look back on it, that movie was so ahead of its time. Four black Absolutely. women, you know, taking charge, trying to get out of the environment um, right. from sexism and racism. And like, if that was for white women now, you know, that would be right, right, a big deal. You know, it's it's definitely a classic. Yeah, and on that same note, you gotta think about. I think Love and Basketball was directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that same type of classic black film that will probably be around forever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So. Oh, we've given up for women in film, and hopefully this year we see more women get the chance to um, take their place in this in that art world and make an impact. Definitely. Okay, before we go to what you're streaming this weekend, I forgot to mention the box office here. Um, kind of drab. Onward took the number one spot with 39 million. Mm-hmm. Um, Visible Man was second. Uh, Matt, not Matt, Ben Affleck was third in the way back. 
Sonic the Hedgehog was number four, and The Call of the Wild took the number five spot. Okay. Yeah, I keep seeing stuff about that um, that Onward, and, uh, and, and it made me think that, I mean, obviously we had good films, animated films when we were younger, but like, they, they've turned their corner for real, man, because they're doing something where they're, like, hitting big topics. And, like, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I saw this, something that was just, like, really moving. So I, I saw something else that was, like, stupid. They said it was the Frozen for boys. But I was like, oh, that's <sighs> kind of sexist. That's not right. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've just not done that. Right. So, but, yeah. All right. So what will you be streaming for the weekend? Um. My thing is to get into all these shows that are coming going. I'm I'm really excited for well once I finish season two of um, Westworld. But uh, my brilliant friend is probably the thing I'm most excited for because that season that first season was really good. So um, yeah, that's 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 it for me. Just everything HBO is about to throw at us in this next few days. Right. Um, for me, I am waiting. Well, Wednesday, season three on my block drops on Netflix. But I'm really excited for the 13th because season two of Kingdom drops on Netflix. Oh, all right. All right. Uh, that's the um, Feudal Japan zombie apocalypse yeah. series. Uh, really good. So I'll be tuning into that. And uh, try to do a little catch up on Westworld to prepare for a premiere on Sunday. Right, right. All right. Okay. Nothing else. That's been our episode. You can follow us on all the socials at AS Life Podcast and then mm-hmm. tune in for more content at streamablelife.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. And we are out. Peace. Peace. This was another episode of It's a Streamable Life Podcast with Brandon and Lauren. Listen weekly wherever you cast pods and follow us on the socials at AS Life Podcast and streamablelife.wordpress.com.